Krishnasa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambhutasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambhutasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambhutasa Bhutan Dhamman Sankham Namasami So as uh, Venerable Dhamadipa mentioned in one of her talks, the, uh, the five Indriya, uh, the five faculties, uh, slope and incline towards the deathness or towards Nibbana. So the Buddha speaks about um, just as a river slopes and inclines towards the, the great ocean, so these five Indriya slope steep and incline towards Nibbana. And uh, I love this image of the river. The Buddha uses this uh, also with the awakening factors. Because um, if you think about a river, if you've ever seen a river, if you've ever stood up or stood on a mountain and looked down at a valley, and seen a river going through that valley, or been in an aeroplane and looked down at a river making its way through mountains, uh, the valleys between mountains. You know, somebody on the plain or on a on a on a flat valley or on, amidst mountains, um, rivers have a similar nature. And uh, what you don't find is a river going in a straight line. So canals go in straight lines. Man-made, human-made canals go in straight lines. Rivers never go in straight lines. Even, even in a big flat open valley, there's nothing obstructing them. They will meander. And that's the nature of a river. They meander their way to the ocean. So I always find it interesting that the Buddha uses the analogy of a river. So it's, they me, they're meandering, but they're not they're not turning back. You know, they're going they're, they're continuously going in the direction towards the ocean. They're not going to start going back uphill or anything like that. But they're not going straight. And I think that's very true to the path. You know, and we have these teachings. These beautiful clear, super clear teachings with all these lists, you know, do this, and then you do that, and then develop this, and develop that, and then this happens, then that happens, and then boom, you're enlightened. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it all sounds so kind of straightforward when you read it in a book, but uh, as you may have noticed, the, the path isn't quite like that. And uh, just again reflecting on the river, so there's, there's two images that come to mind for me. One is uh, Early this year, I was fortunate enough to go to Bhutan, and uh, Bhutan is a, uh, is a is a kingdom that is surrounded by mountains, and, uh, and then it, there's this big flat valley in the middle. So there's a big, long, flat valley, flatlands, and then steep, forested mountains all around. Very, very beautiful country. And when you're up on the mountains and you look down at that valley, it's very flat. 
and there's this big river that winds its way through the valley. And uh, it struck me how, you know, there was no obvious obstruction to that river. It was no, you know, it wasn't like there was a, there were rocks that had to go around on mountains or, or um, you know, curves of hills or anything. It was just a big flat area, but the, still the river meandered. And then, of course, you know, if it's going between hills or mountains, then it's moving, you know, in between the the landmass. But I, whether it's whether it's moving through open land or through mountains, it, it has this. You know, it goes left for a while, and then it turns, and it goes right for a while, and then it turns, and it goes left for a while, and that's the nature of a river. And so, you may notice, you may. I don't know, for me anyway, you may find for yourselves that your own path might be a little bit like that. And then, uh, you know, it can be if we're, if we're focused on where we want to go, and then we're like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm just kind of going all the way over here, what's going on, you know? <laughs> and maybe I've completely lost track, and then things start to turn again, and, yeah, and then you realize, oh, I'm going in the right direction. And then it's like, oh, no, I'm going over here. <laughs> And then he's like, oh, for a little while, oh, yeah, this is good. You know, it can be like that. And so to, so to have the, if you, if you have your um, greater intention, so to have the big view where, you, where you're headed, and then to, to make room for that, you know, can be, can be quite big, big swathes of seemingly going in the wrong direction. But if you have the if you have the overarching view of where you're headed to that ocean, to to uh, truth, to freedom, if you hold that as a big overarching view, then then there's room for that uh, meandering. And the meandering isn't taking you off the path. So of course we can meander off the path. We can we can go off and we can pool somewhere, or turn to a swamp somewhere, that can happen. We don't want to do that. So um, you want to keep, keep the momentum going. But uh, it's, for me, it's like that it kind of carries these, these qualities of the injury. So the sadha is, is knowing, like, if I keep that intention in mind, if I, if I try to live my life within the context of re- the awakening to the Dharma, However, that may look. Then there's the there's the sundown, the faith that it may not look quite the way we, we think it should sometimes, but we're still headed in that direction. You know, you've got to check in. Don't, don't fool yourself if you're going in the opposite direction. But but having that uh, intention and then having the faith to let the path unfold in the way that it needs to, and let our life journey unfold in the way that it needs to in that direction. And uh, and then that also has the quality of virya, the the uh, the endeavor, you know. It's like there's this endeavor that we're on, that we started some time back, who knows when, and that we're on, and we, you know, there's. I don't know everybody in the room, but um, you know, when we, I don't know how long everybody's been practicing, but. You know, once we get started on the path, there's a certain point where you just can't forget again. You can't turn back, and some of us might wish you could, but you can't. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there we are, we're all on that, we're all winding our way. Slowly, maybe, but towards Nirvana.
So it has the endeavor in there, and then the, and then sati. Sati is that, uh, yeah, that sati is what brings us right back to to what is happening here and now. So uh, sati is very powerful mm. tool practice reality. I don't know what to call it quite, uh, because whatever is whatever is arising, if we bring sati, sati, presence, awareness, and and uh, wisdom or a clear understanding. If we bring sati and a sense of understanding the context of what's going on, or bringing context to what's going on, then whatever is arising, it can be, becomes the path. So, uh, you know, even, I think it's a, a wonderful thing in the Satipatthana Sutta that even the hindrances, you know, if we bring awareness to them in the right way, become the path. It's kind of brilliant. So the Buddha doesn't give us any way out, really. It's like, you've got to go. <laughs> and if you do, the path is kind of covering it. You know? And um, So there's this, uh, this remembering to, to look at our experience in, in the right way. Even if we're, you know, we're lost in sensual desire, and then at one point we realize, oh, I've just spent the last however long meditation lost in delightful thoughts of sensuality, and, and then, but we've woken up to it in that moment. It's like, oh yeah, that, that doesn't lead where I want to go. And then the, the, the knowing of it is, is an awakening moment. And then there can be the, you know, you can, there can be some discernment and a choice, like, well, what do I want to do now? Am I just going to go back into that, waste another few hours, or am I going to actually try and let go, try and let go of that old habit that pulls me in the wrong direction. Or ill will, you know, you can get really caught in a story of ill will towards someone. And it's really that person's fault, and really if they just stopped being the way they are, everything would be right. And uh, we can get into that, and we can create a lot of suffering for ourselves doing that, and then remembering the hindrance of ill will. A hindrance to awakening, and then there's a choice. Once we once we see that, there's a choice. Do we want to just keep feeding that hindrance, or do we want to get bigger than that? Make the mind greater than that, because we can. We can let. We can move. We can turn away from the those things that pull us back, and and bring awareness, bring sati to our experience just begins to transform it. And then the more we, we cultivate and develop that, then the, the stronger the sati becomes, the stronger the awareness grows. And when we have strength of awareness, then we have a, a certain safety. Because uh, when the, the awareness is strong, then we're not just overwhelmed by uh, whatever, the, whatever arises in the mind, whatever moods, whatever thoughts arise in the mind. We're not overwhelmed by f uh, painful or pleasant experiences in the body. We just, there's, there's knowing, there's sati. Sati is powerful. And then uh, samadhi, 
that uh, collectedness of mind, stilling of the mind. It's a very beautiful state. And it's, uh, it's often, it can often arouse greed, you know, when we get caught up, if we go to the circle around, don't we? You know, start to get greed for samadhi, have a little taste of it and want a bit more. And, and uh, then we, we, it becomes a, a project to try and get something nice for oneself and keep it as long as possible. And, and, but greed, as we know, is not, uh, doesn't, is, not, is not the path. Greed is what pulls us off the path. So uh, you know, in, the, in the endeavor to develop samadhi, bringing up wholesome states of mind, so metta, for example, cultivating metta, beautiful, can be a beautiful entryway to samadhi. And that, that we cultivated not in order to get something, but because it's a wholesome state. And because it's a beautiful state. Because it's a state that frees the mind from, from ill will, from greed. So, uh, and then because the mind is free from greed and ill will and confusion, it's in a wholesome state and it starts to open, it starts to relax, it starts to settle. And that can naturally lead to uh, samadhi. And if it doesn't, just stay with it, it's okay, it doesn't have to. But it can be a very beautiful entryway. <coughs> and uh, panya is that uh, clear seeing, seeing the arising and passing away of things. So there's um, you know, there's our practice, which which uh, is a, a journey, which takes us through all kinds of terrains, and uh, and takes us into what is sometimes may feel like treacherous territory, and sometimes into quite beautiful and wonderful territory. Um, and then there's the the kind of the map. It's nice and clear, and I think they're both very important. You know, to have a clear map is an important part of a journey, and to be willing to get your feet dirty and to uh, get a few blisters is also an important part of the journey. So, uh, part of this map that the Buddha points to with the five indriya is for each of those. Yeah, they're kind of quite simple, and, and for each of those, there are these four aspects. And actually, for the first one, there, there are two sets of four, so it kind of gets. <laughs> but, uh, so I'm going to just lay them out for you now. So the first one, Sadha. Uh, Sadha has the four um, qualities of stream entry. And that's divided into two. So there's the, there's the four qualities that lead to stream entry. And the four qualities of a stream entry. So the sadha, faith, con conviction, confidence, has the quality of, uh, or is uh, the, the the four qualities that lead to stream entry actually are to to associate with wise people, to to spend time with people who uh, understand the Dharma, have interest in the Dharma have have uh, insight 
to varying degrees, so we're kind of in good company, I think, here together. So to associate with, with uh, wise people, to, uh, to listen to the true Dharma, to hear the true Dharma, uh, to pay careful attention, so this is again sati, to pay careful attention to what is happening. So I think that's sati and sampajanya, so to pay careful attention and also to be discerning and to uh, practice the true Dharma. So we're kind of in a good situation here. So those are the four qualities that lead to stream entering. And then the four qualities of a stream entering are unshakable faith in the Buddha, unshakable faith in the Dharma, unshakable faith in the Sangha, the, the uh, Sangha meaning those who, in this context, those who have gained insight on the path to different levels, so stream entry to Arahantship, and, um, and, and, and uh, uh, a deep, um, stable foundation in, in sila, in virtue, in ethics. So they say stream entry can still break some of the precepts, <coughs> Um, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't intentionally kill a living being, but they may, they may um, say, tell a lie, but they can't conceal that. So very quickly they'll have to <coughs> clarify that if, if, you know, if a situation arises and then, and then they, some, maybe some old conditioning of, of being scolded for lying, for, telling that, for, for getting into trouble, and then they're afraid to get into trouble, and then you say, say in the spur of the moment, spur of the moment you say a lie to kind of get yourself out of trouble, and then you can't. Then you're like, "What did I do? Oh my goodness!" You know, you have to reveal that. You can't just let that go. So, um, stream entry is uh, you know, stable in in their faith, and 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 pretty stable in virtue. So those are the four qualities of stream entry, and then there's the four. Uh, right efforts, which you're probably familiar with, uh, the effort to, or the endeavours, I love that endeavours word, I think it's so much better, the four endeavours, so to endeavour to not stir up unwholesome states that haven't yet arisen, and when unwholesome states arise, to drop them, to let them go, and to arouse wholesome states that haven't yet arisen, like cultivating metta, so on, generosity, and to maintain, take care of wholesome states that have arisen. So those are the four aspects of right, of, of uh, mirya. And then sati, the four aspects of sati are the four establishments of mindfulness. Mindful of body, of feeling tone, pleasant, painful, neutral, of uh, mind, mind states, and of objects of mind, what's the contents of the mind. So those are the, the four aspects of uh, sati. And then the four aspects of samadhi are the four jhanas, the four levels of jhana. And then the four aspects of panya are the four noble truths. I like that. The four noble truths, the liberating teaching, uh, the truth of dukkha, there is dukkha, uh, there is a cause, uh, letting go of the cause of dukkha leads to freedom, and then the path, the eightfold, noble eightfold path, 
that is the path that leads to the cessation of dukkha. So this, so this simple teaching on the five indriya contains all of that. That's kind of rather huge teaching actually, because each one of those you go into in great depth. And I love this about the the, 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 the Dhamma, you know, you can have a little thing and then it opens up into this vast kind of teaching and then that all comes back down to something very simple again, which is, you know, being, being present, knowing what is arising, knowing if it's wholesome or unwholesome. Um, you know, knowing that if we try and hold on to what is changing, it hurts, letting go of holding, allowing this process to be like this, and then guiding it. So it's like when we, when we really understand impermanence and uh, nature, then we can guide our life in a, in a direction. So we're not just, uh, we're not just, we're not, there's not that sense of, which I used to experience very strongly, the sense of like being stuck. I'm a person with this kind of, you know, in this situation with these strengths and weaknesses, and I'm kind of stuck with this until I die. That's what it used to feel like before I came across the Dharma. It's pretty miserable. And, uh, and now it's like, it's like, no, it's not like that. It's like, yes, there are some, there are some strengths and weaknesses for sure. You know, there are some things I'm, I'm never going to be good at, and there are some things I can develop. Um, but uh, in terms of what is you know, guiding the, the mind and body and speech and mind towards what is wholesome, that's something that I can do moment by moment. And sometimes I don't. And then it kind of, kind of you know, meander maybe in the wrong direction for a while, and then it's like, oh, hang on a minute, remember where you're going? Come on, you know, cultivate those states. Cultivate some wholesome responses, whether that's patience or generosity or kindness or stilling or, uh, or discernment. You know, there's many different things we can bring to experience, and you know that's our work to 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 little by little uh, guide our life in the in the direction of. Truth and uh, wisdom and kindness, and that's uh, that's the that's the kind of sweetness of this teaching of impermanence and not self, because it's it, it means little by little we can you know we're not stuck there is no stuck we can change the old habits we can change the course of our life, and then having the patience to let that meandering happen, you know, it's not going to be straightforward necessarily. Sometimes we've got to work through some really big stuff before we can get to where we want to get to next. And that might look messy and, and uh, we might wish we didn't have to go through that, but it's part of the journey. And uh, sometimes we might have to be in challenging situations for a while, you know. We wish we didn't have to do that, but maybe there's some old karma being worked off there. And as we're, as we're working it out, we're also gaining some wisdom that we perhaps couldn't gain in other ways. We certainly, certainly there are things you can't just get from a book. You have to have to sort of, it's almost like this for me anyway. It has to be, you have to kind of have it beaten into you <laughs> before you get it. And it's like, oh, okay. 
after years of banging against this situation, like, oh, I see. Yeah, sometimes it's like that. And so having patience, you know, for, for ourselves and, and uh, kindness for this, this being who's um, learning. Learning. Who's, who's, who's on a journey that others have been on before. So this is also where the, the sadhana can come in. And the, you know, the, the Buddha is very clear. It says again and again and again, you know, if, I, if this wasn't possible, I wouldn't ask you to do it. So, and then there, you know, there are all of the, those, even though we might not have ever met one, but there are all of those people who've gone before who've become fully liberated, fully liberated. And they weren't all kind of good, clean citizens. You know, some of them were like mass murderers and crazy women, and and uh, you know, people from who who kind of lost the plot, you know, for some time. And then they heard the teaching, and then they started to wake up. So uh, the Dhamma is waiting to be realized. It's always, it's always here, it's always present. It is, it is the nature of things. And then there's uh, the complications that we put onto our experience. You know, there's the identification, the defensiveness, or the, the neediness, or the wanting or not wanting that we, that we uh, get caught in. The desires, the aversions, the confusions. And all of that stuff happens. And, uh, but the more we practice, and the more, particularly the more we practice with sati, then the more clarity arises. So we can see more clearly, we can discern more clearly what's, you know, what's the next step. So I kind of want to dive into these poems now. These poems are dear to my heart. And the first one I want to read is uh, Upasama. And uh, this is using the image, I know I've been talking about a river going to admit to my metaphors a little bit now with these poems, but um, I've been talking about a river going to the ocean, but this is about crossing the flood of samsara. So this is more, the Buddha also gives an image of standing on a, on a on the shore and looking across to a, an island and behind you there are all these people who are coming to you know attack you and there's like there's, there's, there's a whole load of people running after you and you get to the shore and there's an island over there that's safe and if you stay on the shore you're in really big trouble and so he says you gather sticks and, and branches and vines and you make a raft and you paddle with hands and feet vigorously until you get to the other shore. So this is an image he uses. And there's a poem here about uh, crossing the flood, so perhaps it's not quite that same flood, but I see it as like crossing a river. And if you've ever had to do that, you know, people who like to go hiking, you know, sometimes you get to a river and you've got to cross it and it might be high river, you know, it might be up to your waist, up to your chest or even up to your neck. And then you've got to make your way across. So this is a poem about uh, crossing that flood. And it's also about uh, you know, right, the right endeavour, the right effort. 
How do you cross the flood? You cross calmly, one step at a time, feeling for stones. How do you cross the flood, my heart? You cross calmly, one step at a time, or not at all. So that points to how the river, you know, that river can sweep us away. We can get swept away by sensuality, by ill will, by pride. You know, different things can sweep us away. So calmly, mindfulness, presence, steadiness, feeling for stones. I love that image. It's just like that. You know, you, do, you almost don't dare pick your foot up off the floor because you think you're going to get washed away, but you do it because you have to take another step. You, know. you take that step and then you find a secure stone beneath your foot that's not too slippery. And then you're okay, then you move the weight forward. And then you take, then you take another step. And it's kind of, it can be like that sometimes. Sometimes it's easy, you know, sometimes the flood's not so high and you can just you know, go across on stepping stones, and that's great. But sometimes the flood is high. Sometimes the the um, the fears or the desires or the the anger is is strong. You know, the flood is high. The stakes are high, and then you've got to be really careful. You've got to be really careful just to take another step, another step, so you don't get swept away by those qualities. And there's another, I am mixing my metaphors a little bit, but never mind. There's another one which is about, uh, this is about right effort. And uh, this is the poem of Dhammadina, she who has given herself to the Dharma. And uh, this is an image of, of actually being on the river, trying to head to the ocean. So this is her poem. For so long, I thought only of the river's end. Then one morning, I set my paddle down to watch the sun rise over the, ocean, uh, over the eastern hills, only to find myself floating somehow, gently upstream. I promise, it was not what I had expected. So this is that sense of like longing for the end of suffering, longing for the path to be fulfilled. You know, and then you're working at it and you're working at it and you're working at it. And it feels like it's been going on for so long. You know. And then and you're putting in that effort, and that's really important. So you can hear this in different teachings. You put that effort in, you've got to you've got to put that persistent effort in, and then you let go. So she's paddling and paddling and paddling and paddling and when's and when am I going to get there? And then one day, just like, oh, let's just sit back and watch the sunrise. And then, whoop, there it is. It's happened. So there's this uh, mysterious process of, you know, if you don't put the effort in, it never, it, the insight doesn't arise, and if you, if you, if you only, if you're only efforting, 
the insight doesn't arise. So it's just like keeping on and keeping on and keeping on and keeping on and then just leaning back a little. So there are many, many um, teachings like that where people have struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled and then, you know, and then it comes and it just, it's just a little relaxation, like the little Ananda actually, there's the story of the Ananda, the Buddha's uh, cousin and attendant who was, after the Buddha died, he was the one uh, who had knowledge of all the teachings, you know, almost all the suttas we have. Not quite all, but almost all started from Venerable Ananda. He remembered them and passed them on. And uh, so the, 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 the teachings that start with, Thus have I heard, were almost always Ananda, who heard them from the Buddha. And so he was you know, very, very important. We needed, you know, his, his knowledge was really needed. And after the Buddha died, there was a gathering of all of the enlightened monks, no nuns as we know him, unfortunately. But the enlightened monks were gathered, and then Ananda wasn't enlightened, so he couldn't come, but he had all of the teachings in his, in his memory. So there's a little bit of a problem. <laughs> and so he's like, you know, and, he, and he's been practicing for so many years, and, and close to the Buddha, hearing the Buddha teaching all these years, and yet he wasn't fully enlightened. And, uh, and so then he's, he's striving and striving and striving and striving and trying to get enlightened before this meeting, because if he's not there, you know, what's going to happen to all these teachings? And then he's trying and trying and trying and trying, and then and eventually he's just exhausted and he goes to bed. And then they say, uh, at the moment, just before his, as, as his feet left the ground and before his head touched the pillow, he became enlightened. It's so, so sweet. Because there's a letting go. There's a letting go. It's like that endeavor and the letting go. Do you remember him? So, so we've got to put the effort in. But we've also got to let go. And I want to read this last one, which is uh, a line to write. This is uh, Chitta, Chitta Bhikkhuni, heart, heart mind. Somehow I kept climbing. Though tired, hungry, and weak. Old, too. At the top of the mountain, I spread my outer robe on a rock to dry, set down my staff and bowl, and took a deep breath and looked around. It was windy out there. As I was leaning back against the large grey rock, the darkness I had carried up and down a million mountains, slipped off my shoulders and swept itself away in the wind. So you never know when that moment will come. So we have to uh, have faith. Keep, keep on keeping on, keep going. Well, I say keep on keeping on, but keep going, and then, you know, it's, it's a mystery really. We, we put the work in, we put the effort in, and then at some point, the conditions come together. So, Jin Cha would say it's like, a, you know, it's like you plant a mango seed, 
in the ground in, in Thailand where the Lingas grow. And then uh, and then you can you, you take care of it, you know, you, you make sure it's protected from, you know, no animals are gonna dig it up and eat it and you know, it's it's got enough water and sun. And then you just gotta let it do its thing. You can't say hurry up and grow or I need a mango by this time, you know. <laughs> it'll it'll grow at its own time. And then gradually the tree will come to the point where it starts to flower and the flowers will pass and then fruits will start to grow and then the growth will you know, <coughs> get bigger and then it'll be green, those small and green and sour at the beginning and then they get bigger and green and then and they start to turn these beautiful colours and at some point there's an exquisitely ripe mango, delicious. So we're like that. You know, we don't, uh, we can't say when it's, when it's going to be ripe and delicious, but we can put the conditions in place for ripening to happen. And, and then be patient and caring. So it's this simple teaching and uh, Yeah. It's that all of the teachings are practical. They're for us to use. <clears throat> They're not just to think about. And uh, habits can be strong, so we have to know, you know, what, what, where, what, are, where are the habits pulling us, and what do we want to cultivate to counter that? Where do we need to paddle against the against the forces of our habits? And then when is it time to let go and soften, open, relax? So don't think about it too much, but uh, just put it into practice. And you know, we all have the potential to awaken. So we'll close uh, with another version of Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.